Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. I think it's important that we talk about ego, which is essentially a con man that's in your head, manipulating you, thinking that you're somebody, but you're not. So I have Tina and Keisha here today to talk about ego. There's very valuable understanding, because if you don't understand this, then what's the point in doing the seven C's? The whole point of the seven C's is to dissolve your ego. You can't have inner peace with an ego. Mm. And sometimes people don't know what ego means. It's, it's, wa- it's a watered-down word, just like detox. There's tons of watered-down words now, you know. The society and the, the family programs us into, uh, you know, thinking the word ego is arrogant or, or what have you. It's mm. not true. Actually, if you meet a Zen master, Zen masters are very direct, very disciplined and direct. They're not like super compassionate, like they're not going to hug you. And people sometimes think that they're arrogant. Mm. That man's not enlightened. He's got an ego. (laughs) No. No. He's telling you the truth. There's a story of a a Zen master who people always came to him to learn. And one day a scientist came to visit him. The scientist came in and he said, Hey, Zen master, how you doing? He's like, you know, I know so much. I went to all this school. I've done all these experiments. I think, you know, I know everything pretty much about life. But there's just a little bit I don't know. I'm hoping that you can fill in those gaps for me. And the Zen master's like, would you like some tea? Yeah, 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 give me some tea. He's got the cup out, and the Zen master's pouring the tea. Drip, 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 drip. All of a sudden, it's overflowing. And the scientist is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, no, that's too much. What are you, it's, it's too much. Now it's coming down. It's burning his hand. Ah, what are you doing? And the Zen master looks at him, and he says, why don't you come back when your cup is empty? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Zen masters are known back in ancient times to never get out of their seat when a king comes to visit them. Mm. A king or a prince. They don't even get out of their seat. And people are like, oh my gosh, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind that king or prince could have you killed anytime they want? That's a person of high society. The Zen master's like, but they're beneath me. Mm. And it comes off so arrogant. But he's not lying. Hmm. Nobody is higher than an enlightened master. Nobody. It doesn't matter if you're a president. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a company. They have attained something extraordinary that makes you a higher level human. But there's no ego there. So... That's why people that are enlightened don't talk about that they're enlightened. So in order to get there, there's this crazy process 
because the ego has been such a factor in our lives. Mm-hmm. It develops pretty much at 13 years old. You mm-hmm. know, the society and the family creates your ego. Your family, if you live with a neurotic mom, you're more than likely going to end up neurotic. Mm. You know, anxiety, worry about everything. If you live with an obsessive dad, you're probably going to end up a little obsessive, right? Um, And then, of course, the society, your TV shows, your movies, just the traditions of whatever country you live in, this all comes together and makes you think that you're somebody that you're not. And as I said in the seminar, ego is identity plus importance plus control. Those three aspects. Hmm. Your identity is like your story. That's your story. I am Keisha. I am a nurse. I've been nursing for this many years. Mm -hmm. I'm married to Mike. I have kids. I this, I that. I drive a this, I drive a that. When I was 13, this happened. That's identity. Mm. but if all that really matters is the present moment then all of that past story is it's just a dream Mm. it's just a dream it's like tonight you might have a dream that you're uh, you might have a dream that you're flying from cloud to cloud (laughs) yippee you're in the clouds and then you wake up (gasps) oh okay it was a dream it's like our stories. Hmm. It's like a dream. It's just, phew. you might be able to remember something really good that's a year or two old. It's very hard to remember in detail what happened to you 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Hmm. If something's really dramatic, maybe, but mm-hmm. it's like a dream, and that's what it's going to feel like when you're on your deathbed. Everything's going to feel like a dream. It was all oh, a dream. It was like, those 80 years went by so fast. Like, how did that happen? Importance. Everyone wants to feel important. Mm-hmm. Superior. This is the whole essence of birthdays. Mm-hmm. Birthdays are mm-hmm. a, a really... The society programs us, right? The first birthday. First birthdays are a big deal, and they slam the cake down the kid's throat. <laughs> And they, t- <laughs> and they take the picture, right? Yeah. That's a tradition. It's an American tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but birthdays are hurt. Which is special. And you know what? They're not I know, special. No, because let me tell you I, why. I, think that could, I celebrate being alive for another year. Well, you can do that on a normal Tuesday yeah. in March. Yeah, so, you know what? I So, okay, so my um, kids, my, I'm, I'm not the biological mother of some of my kids. So, mm-hmm. they... And it's fine. Their moms choose to give, have their kids have a birthday party almost every single year. Right. They have a party with cake and everything. Not like with other, not all the time with other kids or anything like that. Not a huge one, but just with family and stuff like that. And I choose not to do that with my daughter. Right. Like, and it has to do with, I mean, I'll say happy birthday to her. It will be like a, you know, she and I can, like, spend some time together doing stuff like that. Because I would rather do that than to, like, give her a party. Right. Um, but that's what they choose to do. But my that was one of the things my husband had an had kind of a little issue with. He goes, why do you 
we no, she gets a she should get a party every year. She should get a cake every year with, you know, her because her you know her aunt does cakes. Oh no, she does cakes every year for the kids. Right. Why? Right. She doesn't I don't need do that. Cakes every year, but I do. So I take my yeah. daughter with her friends to do something. I'm big on birthdays. So. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Well, like, even that's my something. Son, that's did. something to examine. Tina. Yeah, like my son just turned 22, and right. I didn't. We didn't do anything. We just like, oh hey, 22, right. happy birthday. Woo-hoo. Right. Yeah, it's it's immediate. There's no significance whatsoever, Mm-mm. and um, it's a measurement. Mm-hmm. That's like celebrating every time you lose a pound. I mean, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, but do you? But then, but then, if you gain a pound, what do you do? You yeah, don't celebrate. You don't celebrate. You get upset. You get up. One of the oh. best feelings I ever had when I turned thirty-three. I was at the ashram in new york and i turned my phone off on my birthday and man it was a great feeling it was the first time i had ever done that mm. and it was a just a, a transformative experience because for the first time in my life i wasn't observing and nobody around me knew it was my birthday mm. i was a complete nobody just blending in with everyone else it was amazing. One of the best experiences of my life. You have to experience this stuff to understand. Birthdays are, celebration of birthdays are just a stimulation of the ego, just like a song is, mm-hmm. and, or a movie or whatever, or some, you know somebody giving you a compliment. It makes you feel important. important. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel important, but you're not important. and i know that sounds like dark and twisted to some people like how can you tell somebody they're not important we're all god's children and we're all flowers and we're all important okay we have to understand that our outside lives are all a little different true Remember, we have an inner life and an outer life. Mm-hmm. Our outer lives are all a little different. We have different personalities. We like different things. We have different likes and dislikes. We have different circumstances, mm-hmm. things like that. But on the inside, we're all the same. We're all the same. We're all electrons, protons. We're the same. Everybody. And it's not even just the humans. It's the animals. So it's just this big ball of light that has awareness. And you know the analogy that I gave at the seminar was the ice cube. Mm. So the society and the family are the freezer and the ice tray. And that shapes you. Mm-hmm. And that takes this water and it turns it into an ice cube. And we can say the ice cube develops mm-hmm. by the time you're 13. So by the time you're 13, you got a little ice cube. And it'll get a little bigger because you might have more growing to do. But your whole life you think you're a, you, oh, your whole life you think you're an ice cube. I'm an ice cube. And I'm shinier than you. <laughs> right? And you now because your ego is formed, so now it's I'm shinier than you, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm shinier than you, and then the person that's not as shiny gets depressed, and there's this whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. You think you're an ice cube. Mm-hmm. 
and then then you get on your deathbed and this is for a normal person then you get on your deathbed and you start melting mm-hmm. and now that ice cube that was taken out of the freezer out of the society is now water laying on a table and give it more time and it'll dissolve into the air and now there's no more ice cube it was hydrogen and oxygen the whole time h2o the whole time you thought you were an ice cube you were really just hydrogen and oxygen which is formless so we're a bunch of formless beings taking shape as a form and this thing that we have called an ego is this imaginary con man it's like a battery that's just it's making your thoughts do this it's making your actions do that people equate ego to self-esteem too like they say mm-hmm. that it's self-esteem is you know equal to ego like they think someone who has a high thinks highly of themselves highly of themselves has a big ego has a big ego and that that's true um just in a different way mm-hmm. it's just in a different way but people who appear to have high think highly they of think themselves. they're important yeah. And they have an identity. But there's some people who, uh, like, they appear to, to have high self-esteem or, or think highly of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they don't really think that they just do that as that's an appearance. That's, that's, that's the still inf- ego, though, right? Inferi- inferiority complex. Yeah. Say that three times. Infor- inferiority complex. But that's still ego, though. It is ego, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> it very much is ego. And it's interesting because... And these are the things that I'm going through right now. Is like, you spend your whole life, <laughs> you spend your whole life trying to be somebody, and then you have this awakening that, no, I want to become nobody. <laughs> and it's a really interesting feeling, and and then you um, you dive into it and you realize that. The whole purpose of life is to get the ice cube to melt early. Mm. If you can get the ice cube to melt at 40 instead of at 80, that's going to absolutely change those last 40 years of your life. Mm. Dissolving the ego, it's a, it's a known spiritual phrase called um, die before you die. If you die before you die, you can never die mm. because death won't mean anything anymore. It'll be like you're packing your bags to go on vacation. It's going to be like, yeah, let's do it, you know, instead of these people. And, you know, again, you, you work hospice. Mm-hmm. I've worked some hospice. These people, some of them go nuts because yeah. their ego is now being jeopardized. Mm-hmm. They're not even worried about dying physically. They just don't know it. They're right. worried about their ego dying. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. I didn't accomplish this. It, some people, it might be, I wasn't important enough. Oh, my God. And then some people might be, oh, I was really important, and, but mm-hmm. now it's being taken away from me. And it's this huge struggle 
that these folks go through. Mm-hmm. Huge struggle. I had one woman told me, you know, I, I I come all this far in age and I'm dying from this. Like, right. that's what she said to me. I'm dying from this. Like she's above it. Right. Like I can't, she wanted to die from old age. Like right. she was like, I'm dying from this. This is what, this is what's going to ultimately kill me. Right. I, I did all of this, but this is what's going to kill me. Right. That's what she said to me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You see, you so you see the ego there. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is control. Mm-hmm. When you're on your deathbed, you lost, you lost control. Mm-hmm. Control is over. Yeah. Control is over. no more. You might not even be able to use the bathroom by mm-hmm. yourself. Now there's some lessons there. Right. Right. When somebody has to help you use the bathroom, that's like. Mm-hmm. These are your moments to wake up or clean you up after. Sure. Like having to help get you clean. These are your moments to wake up. Mm-hmm. After Ram Das had his stroke, you know, he took it as grace. He took it as grace. He's like, yeah, I can't talk the way I can anymore. I have to be in a wheelchair. So what? Learning from it. Mm. Most people can't do they that. They can't. Most people. They start struggling. They struggle with that. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Like, and that's what I'm saying. If you kill your ego mm-hmm. before before you die kill yourself before you die and then you'll never die but mm-hmm. when i say kill yourself yourself equals ego because that's ego. who you think that's who you think that you are that's your identity mm-hmm. your importance level your control and yeah people struggle with that but that identity was given to you yeah it was formed over the years formed over the years formed yeah. over the years mm-hmm. when i was 16 i went to broadcasting school that made me important because my other classmates were still figuring out college. Then I went to my senior year of high school and I was interning at a radio station. Now I'm important. Mm-hmm. What's your job? Oh, you work at Ben and Jerry's? I work at the radio station, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I get to college, get the TV show, get the radio show. Mm-hmm. Don't even care about my grades. All I care about is my radio and TV show. Mm. People start calling me K-Dub. And then for short, if they're really close, they start calling me Dub. So now I have a nickname. Yo, yippee. I got a nickname. And everyone calls me by my nickname. And <laughs> oh, everyone wants to come to my room mm. uh, in my apartment. Because we smoke a lot of weed and we rap. Mm-hmm. We got this little box and we all rap and we get high and rap. And all the rappers on campus come by and it's like, yeah, we all want to hang out with Dub and Milo. And um, <laughs> and then you get, I get out of college and then boom, I'm on Hot 93.7. Like that, 21 years old. Mm. Boom. This huge ego from college whew, right on professional radio. And boy, did I get slapped down a bunch of times, mm. you know, thinking I was too, too, too much and then uh, too hot to handle. And, and I was in the music business. And then, you know, you guys know the story from there. Got sick, yada, mm-hmm. yada. Quit radio, went into health. This is when my awakening started to happen and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Here we are. But that's my story. Yeah. That's my professional story. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter. You'll be shocked to know that enlightened masters 
no matter how famous they get, they don't write an autobiography. Never, mm. never. Only one man has done it, and he gets criticized for it. Mm. Only one man has done it, Yogananda, mm-hmm. and he gets criticized for it. You're, you, the past is irrelevant. Mm. Your story is gone because you're formless. You're really a formless ball of awareness. But you think that you're something else. Is this really a table? Well, if we put it underneath the microscope, it's not a table anymore. It's <laughs> it's something else. And uh, so, what do we know about this world? It's mysterious. Um, the ego likes to attach to desires. It always wants, 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 wants. There's expectations there. Mm-hmm. And your emotions are behind desires they're like batteries Mm. so you may um, at one point you wanted to become a nurse before you became a nurse Mm -hmm. so that was the desire let's do it that's this is the goal I'm gonna do it so you did all this school and when you finished it was probably a big relief Um, if something happened where you didn't graduate you would have been Devastated. Yeah. I mean, I know people who have graduated from nursing school Mm -hmm. couldn't pass that state board test. That's right. They're walking around with a nursing degree but Mm. can't even use it because they have to take that license test and cannot pass that test to save their life. And I I graduated from nursing school 13 years ago. Mm. So it's, it's, and I know people who are right now 13 years later, Mm -hmm. still only a nurse by degree only, not even licensed, because they can't pass the test. Mm -hmm. So they must be devastated. Devastated. Right. Or they... And broke. Or they say, (laughs) right. Or they say, um, oh, well, it wasn't for me. I'm... I'm just gonna just. They have to rationalize. I, right. I, it's, right. It wasn't for me. I'm just gonna go on and my, do something else. My my dad was for my dad's identity was based on being a senior uh, tradesman at his job. He was a senior. He was respected. Emphysema forced him out, so he had to retire early. If he didn't have he'd still be there. Mm. At 73 years old, he'd still be there. No doubt about it. But he was forced out. Doctor wrote a note, you can't work anymore, buddy. Forced him into retirement. Wow. That hurts when that's when you lose your control mm-hmm. and you're losing your identity. Mm. And you don't feel important anymore. And now the only thing that makes you feel important is mowing the lawn. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this goes, uh, I, I gave this Example at the uh, seminar. Mm. The happiest day of our lives is the day we get our driver's license. And the worst day is the day they take our driver's they take license away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, sir, you can't see anymore. We, right. You can't drive. Oh, sorry, sir, your mind is not where you're supposed to, yeah. supposed to be at. How do you deal you with it? You have Alzheimer's. How, How do you, you tell someone it? that they have Alzheimer's and they can't remember where mm-hmm. they go, so you have to give, them, give up their license mm-hmm. or take away their car? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, 
How do you deal with this? Well, the ultimate way to deal with it is to never have to deal with it, and that's by dissolving the ego. Mm -hmm. When the ego starts dissolving, you lose. You lose your ambition. Mm. You Mm. don't want to achieve anymore. Yeah. You don't care. (laughs) Goals, gone. Because there's nothing... Because losing the ego is the only goal. Mm. If you lose your ego, if you get to this inner peace, you could be rich or poor. It's irrelevant. To you, it's like, whatever. It's irrelevant. I can deal with it, however. Right. Mm -hmm. Because as many spiritual masters say you get into a state of what's called a let go. Mm. It's called a let go. It's a state of mind, a let go. And it, and you can practice that any day you want, mm-hmm. you know. I was doing it when you, when you walked in earlier, Tina. I was just sitting here, I was just zoned out it's all it's like a form of meditation mm-hmm. it's just a let go you just let everything go and it's just like whew. it's blissful mm-hmm. you're not harming your body because you're not tense right you don't need a massage people <laughs> people that are enlightened don't need a massage there's no tension there's no tension mm-hmm. it's all gone everything disappears and you're not afraid to die mm. yeah we're always we're always with this ego, we're always trying to arrive. Mm. We're always trying to arrive. We, we want to do this and we want to do that. Well, I want to do this before I'm 40. Or uh, I want to do this before I'm... Is that just like a bucket list? Like when people... That's still like an ego thing too if someone does a bucket list? No, I, I think it depends on what the goals are. If, if the bucket list is like, oh, I always want to, you know, jump out of an airplane, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's ego okay. necessarily. That's just something you want to do. Mm-hmm. When you want to achieve, you know, your PhD, then that <laughs> might be a little bit more ego-driven. Okay. Um, and I mean, I know it was for me. Mm. So I remember the day I signed up for school. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to be Dr. Reese one day. <laughs> oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> then I had to open the books. <laughs> I was oh, like, oh man, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, it took me a long time. Um, I know, like my husband, he'll say like, "There's, I'll start like worrying and just like start like, not worrying, but just like, yeah, worrying, getting stressed out and and stuff." And it's some, it's sometimes it's financial. Like a lot of times it's financial. You know what he says to me? He goes, "Why do you worry about stuff like that?" He was like, "You're gonna, we're gonna be fine." Right. And I say to him, well, you're not the one that's working. You know, yeah, like, you, right. that's, what, that's what I say to him. You're not the one that's working. You're not the one, so you don't have to worry about the books or anything. Like, I say, it's all on me. He goes, no, it's not. It's not all on you. He goes, you're gonna, you just got to know that you're just, it's just going to happen because you're just going to do it. Right. That's how he thinks. He right. thinks like that. Like, yeah. it's just, that's, why are you worrying about stuff like that? Yeah. Well, he makes a valuable point. Worrying ain't going to get you anywhere. That's what he tells me. Yeah, worrying. He's like, you're not going to fix it by worrying. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's causing tension. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of let go. Yeah. (laughs) Right? He's always like that, though. And, you know, 
drives me nuts. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Well, All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, there's a lot of people like that. And that's, um, you know, being positive and, mm-hmm. and uh, just knowing that it's going to work out. When you, when you kill your ego, too, mm. you really know things are going to work out because existence, universe, whatever you want to call it, God, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. takes care of you because you've already accomplished the biggest thing that a human being can accomplish. Mm. It is the most. There's nothing else, including childbirth. There's nothing else that is more, what word do I want to use? It's just the highest level that a human being can reach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I use the, the term reach or attained uh, loosely. We're just playing with words here. Because when one does become enlightened, they're just discovering their natural state. We all have it. We all have. We're all enlightened. We're full of light. It's just we've become so dirty from the family, from the society. And that's where the seven C's, the inner peace practice comes in and purifies us. And we can get down to that inner peace. But we all have the ability. We all have it. In Zen, this is called our original face. Of course, it's hidden from us. It's hidden from us because if everybody became enlightened, if mm-hmm. everybody killed their egos, yeah. nobody would go to work. <laughs> nobody would. Society would crumble. Mm-hmm. Democracy down the tubes. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't work. Mm. People would only do communes. They'd do communes. They'd get into communes. and all day. they go into communes. You know, you, you work in the kitchen and I'll clean, the, mm-hmm. I'll clean the, the beds and, you know, you... You know, make sure the, you know, the garden's good. You know, everybody mm-hmm. just pitches in like a little commune. That's what people would want. Yeah. Um, that would be like a dope world, though. For real? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Good. That's like no, like you just, no yeah. worries. Everybody just working together just right. to like right. make everything work. Like, right. you know? Right, right. Utopia. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's the thing. But society keeps us down and the family keeps us down. And anyone who goes against that, you know, they just call you nuts or crazy. Mm -hmm. So you got this con man in your head and it's always trying to arrive. It's always trying to get more, get more, get more. I've been in that state of mind since I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. And when you're in that state of mind, everyone doesn't have the same ambition level, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but there's there's underachievers, there's overachievers, but and there's wannabe achievers. Um, you know, I was an overachiever, so it's constant, mm-hmm. right? More, 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 more. Do this, do this, do this, do this. and then boom. Well, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's amazing. And I, I had this experience last summer, and um, I didn't do anything. Mm. When you're in business or you got a job, you might 
get problems thrown your way all the time. You become a firefighter. Got to yeah, keep putting fires keep out. Putting fires out. When you can't have to keep putting fires out, and you're constantly having to solve problems, and then on top of it, you're like more and more and more and more because you're watching these YouTube gurus like Gary Vee who are like, yeah, man, you know, you can become rich and da da da. You can burn yourself out pretty mm-hmm. fast. And so last summer, that's when I had my let go. And I was doing nothing. I was finishing school and I was, oh, Tina, you remember, I was fiddling around with the on air novel, mm-hmm. trying to be a, a novelist. <laughs> and I was just, I was doing nothing. I was barely even going on my computer. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even checking my email. I've been checking my email. 17 times a day for the last 20 years like and then all of a sudden you're just like no I'm good I don't want to check that no more and you're meditating for hours a day and sometimes it's also just laying there Mm -hmm. just having a let go Mm -hmm. letting the tension go and uh, you can start reaching uh, levels of, of bliss and then once you start seeing the little flashes and all this cool stuff then you know you really don't want to go back Mm. (laughs) so this is what i'm saying with you know the whole enlightened thing society would crumble Mm -hmm. because people would be in a let go right still work still Mm -hmm. be creative if you're an artist or Mm -hmm. a musician you can still do all that zen a lot of creativity in zen they encourage that sometimes they they bring out the, the canvas and they give you brushes and you don't you never painted a day in your life and they're just like paint. And you're just like, okay, you're just like a three year old, like, hey, yay, look what I drew. Yeah. So this is the child's mind. Mm-hmm. And how many masters have talked about that, mm. including Jesus? The child's mind. But we lose that child's mind when we we get off to work. It all starts. I mean, it starts at thirteen, and then you know we get that first job around sixteen. We get that driver's license, and mm-hmm. we're off. Like yeah. the driver's license is symbolic. It's really symbolic. It's like your ego is now on wheels. Mm. It's off. You got a back seat. You can do get in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> you can go anywhere. You pretty much got your freedom. I mean, you're not going to drive cross country, but, yeah. you know, oh, my gosh, I can drive from Hartford to Springfield. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, and you're off and running. Yeah, I got my license, man. And, of course, you go cop the sunglasses. I got to have sunglasses, man. You got the sunglasses. <laughs> you got the tunes up. I remember getting, the, you know, back in my day, you know, it was all about having a boom system. Mm-hmm. I spent some of my first paychecks at my first jobs getting the bass put in the trunk mm. so that they can hear you down the street. Boom, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, boom. What you listening to, man? Nas, it was written. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom. Mob deep. Boom, boom. They can hear you. Yeah. For what? Hello. <laughs> For what? For what? So you can feel important. Feel feel important. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Think about the prom. Think about the prom. Whoever gets prom king and queen, 
Mm-hmm. They're on top of the world. And then show up to the reunion 25 years later, and they're like, you know? Yeah. They look like they're 80. <laughs> <laughs> look like raisins. <laughs> you never know how things are going to turn out. Right, you don't know. You don't know. Like, you have people who also, like, the, you know, another thing that creates ego, too, is the superlatives in high school. Mm. Like, uh, they have, like, the superlative, what is it? Um like most likely hair. to succeed. Yeah. Right, right, right. Most likely to succeed. This, Keisha, yeah. this is the society. Mm-hmm. The society is constantly yeah. drilling it into our heads. I know a girl who got most likely to succeed. Oh, she wasn't in my year. <laughs> I don't know what she She's not most likely to succeed, though. I, you know, I think she has, like, probably, like, four or five kids, and she's a single mom, and she's just, she decided that she, everybody thought she was going to go to school to be a doctor. She said no. She said I, she was done. So is she right. successful? Maybe she is most likely to succeed because she's happy with her life. Mm. Yeah, maybe. And what's success? I want to come back to what I said, whatever, three, four, five minutes ago when I was saying enlightenment is, I was trying to search for a word. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Success. Success. It's the biggest success that you could ever have. Mm -hmm. Because when I met my spiritual mentor, when I experienced this man, I knew that I was talking to someone who had reached a very high level of something that maybe I didn't completely understand at Mm -hmm. the time. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? So... You know, it doesn't matter if he's rich, he's poor, you can put him anywhere, this guy. So I knew at that moment when I left that ashram that I had met someone who had reached the ultimate success Mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with YouTube views, it had nothing to do with your bank balance, it had nothing to do with any of that. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, this guy had nothing. Two bags, took the bus to get there. The other thing I wanted to bring up was humbleness. And you'd be interested to find out that being humble is actually part of ego. <laughs> There's a lot of folks out there that are acting. We've talked about acting. Mm-hmm. We've talked about certain music and certain movies, kind of putting that battery in your back and making you into like a little actor. You're pretending to be someone that you're really not. It's the same thing with humbleness. Mm. It's the same thing. You might meet someone and you leave that experience and you're just like, oh my gosh, he's so humble. He's so humble. You don't know if he's acting. Mm. Now, this goes back to the Zen master. Zen masters are often... um, accused of being arrogant because they tell the truth they know no other way they're direct and people are like how can an enlightened master not be humble I don't get it, it doesn't make sense because the ego is not there their ego is not there they're just direct with you mm-hmm. they're going to tell you the truth Yeah, they don't get up for the prince. They don't get up for the king. But they get up for a regular person mm. looking for help. Then they get out of their seat. Mm. 
you know you gotta look out for the humbleness too and we you know we see this in celebrities and stuff we see this you 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 know poor Dwayne Johnson I'm always using him as an example you know he's just always teetering on humble and cocky yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. He'll be. He'll be like you know, for a sexy bald-headed brown man like me, you know. And he's he's being silly. What I'm trying to say is, when you reach that level, there is no humble. There is no cocky. Mm-hmm. You just are. There's yeah. just an isness, a suchness. You just are. Mm. But expect that, especially somebody in Zen to tell you going to tell you the truth and if they know something as true and you don't expect to be hit with that hammer mm. right zen masters hit you with a hammer you know make-believe hammer most masters will you know poke you with a stick so to speak they'll say things to agitate you i do it to you all the time mm-hmm. poke you with a stick <laughs> poke you with a stick poke you with a stick because sometimes people are you know lost in duality mm. right the truth is always in the middle and that's the isness the suchness so watch out for the super humble person too it doesn't mean that they're egoless it doesn't it means maybe they're introverted and some people don't like praise. I don't like praise. As in, ambitious as I've been for the last 25 years, I don't like praise. Mm. It, it makes me like whew, cringe a little bit. Like, oh. If somebody hits me up and says, oh, you, you changed my life and yada yada. Ugh. Okay, cool. You know, it's like a little cringe, you know. Um, what about when we're all kissing your feet? <laughs> You're not supposed to kiss them. You're supposed oh, to touch them. Touch the feet. Touch the feet. Well, when 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 somebody, I know that was a joke, but I just want to. <laughs> when somebody does touch the feet, it's for the person, not for the master. Mm. Because in order to elevate, you have to become a disciple. You can't. If you're a student, that means there's skepticism. You're still caught in duality. Students are caught in duality with their intelligent minds, their, you know, the PhD way of thinking, the philosophy. Sometimes we call that philosophy, mm. right? You can sit here and talk about philosophy for hours and hours, mm-hmm. but you don't know unless you know, right? We can sit here and talk about our aliens real. And you can bring up all all your theories and I can bring up all my theories. Right. But unless we've, you know, had that experience, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And if only more people could just be honest and be like, I don't know. That's the mo- That's one of the most important sentences any human know. being can say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if there's aliens. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of evidence. There seems to be. What about Bigfoot? But we don't know for sure. This mofo has been hiding from us for decades. <laughs> yes, decades. It's with Tupac in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot, Tupac, and Elvis. Elvis. They're out there having tea. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, 
And Bigfoot's another example. So mm-hmm. many people have claimed to see him mm-hmm. or it. Or it. And, and there's been no legitimate. Mm-hmm. There's like that one or two videos. I've seen a couple of Bigfoots. <laughs> but there's been no like capture. Yeah. You're not seeing it on CNN like. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot has been caught today in Canada. Or it looks like they 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 are like hovering over him with a with a drone or something, right. and, and they see right. something hairy running right. upright in the woods. Right, that could be like one of their friends in a costume, this, as far as we know. This is the problem with belief. The ego mm-hmm. likes to believe. believe. I know that's going to offend some people, but belief is one hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. Amen. You either know or you don't. You guys know that the fruits and herbs can heal the body because mm-hmm. you have experience with that. Right. But your family members or friends, not so much. Maybe they're like, you're crazy. I don't yeah. think that can really work, right? People are skeptical. Students are skeptical. Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes their professor or believes in their professor. When you're able to devote and become a disciple, that's when you touch the feet. It's not for the master. It's for it's the for disciple. Him. You know, look, look at the Jesus story. You know, he had 12 disciples. But how many of the 12 were real disciples? And how many were just students? Was it Mary that, the, her, the, um, the one that came, not his mother, Mary, I'm talking right. about. The other Mary. The other Mary that came the to see him. Mm-hmm, to see him and yep. she washed her she washed his feet with the oil. Yes. Um, you know, and she touched his feet. Yes. And then also the woman who uh, wanted to be healed, all she did was touch his cloak and she was healed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I know some stuff about the Bible. So look. Yeah, that was. That story is significant. You know why? Mm-hmm. Judas questioned it. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't a disciple. He was a student. Oh, yeah. Judas <sighs> questioned right. it. He said, why are you touching his feet? Why are you, master, why are you mm-hmm. letting her do that? Right. Isn't there a poor person out there that you can use these expensive oils for? Oh, yep. Yeah, I remember that story. Yep. Okay, yeah. so what happens now? Doubt creeps in. Mm-hmm. And sometime later, he becomes a turncoat, mm-hmm. a snitch. Yep. Okay? Because he talked about... Cause in, because she, he felt like everybody else was giving him all these other right. gifts that were more important. And this, then, and then this, yes, quote unquote, whore or whatever you want to call her, yeah, comes over and washes his feet with oil, right? You know, using her hair to wash his, his feet, right? With oil, yes. Mm-hmm. And Osho went through similar things with the Rolls Royces and all that. People went nuts; mm-hmm. they couldn't comprehend, and some people turn. Some people don't. The people that turn are students. Mm-hmm. They're students. They came there to learn, and doubt creeped into their mind, and they're oh, and they they become turncoats, and then they go blab to the media. There, if there was media around in Jesus' day, mm-hmm. that would have been all over the news. It right. would have been. It, it would have said something like Jesus lets people rub his feet, <laughs> right? And 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 that would have. The society would have influenced mm-hmm. the people. Mm-hmm. 
into saying, oh, I don't know about that. And, and people would be she, in barbershops. Why shops. is she a female and she's washing his feet? Right. That must be his girl. Right. He said he wasn't. But you know what I mean? So it would have right. been like that. Oh, they were together. They're really, you know, that's how it would have been. And not to mention, nobody, most people can't comprehend another person playing with your feet unless it's a paid massage or something. Mm-hmm. Right? Getting a manicure. Or, or, or that's your rather. man or your woman doing that for you. Your, your, your significant other. Right. So. So that that's an interesting story you brought up, and, and it, it it ties together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really ties together. The master's job is to kill your ego. Mm-hmm. It's easier to have somebody help you kill your ego than it is to do it on your own. It's almost almost uh, it's not impossible, but it's it's like ninety five percent. You you need a master. You need someone that's gonna poke you with that stick, mm-hmm. and say. And, and and let you know, look, you've been programmed by society for all these years and you don't know jack. You know nothing. Mm. You're you're ignorant as think ignorant you know, can be. You think you, you know. know. Mm. You think you know because according to society You do. You do. You're a member of society. You pay your taxes. Right? Right. You you know, you're you're you, you go to stop and shop and you you know you you're part of society. You have a PayPal account, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're a part of this. <laughs> you get the vote. That's another big one. You get the vote. Mm. You know, people down yeah. people that don't vote so much. You know yeah. how many people died so you could vote? It's like, my oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. The ego needs to be broken down. Your story needs to be broken down. Your importance needs to be broken down. Become a nobody and and... You know, these words are significant because the English language is the most important language it, because it's one of the last languages. The English language was invented f- about 500 years after Jesus. So put that in perspective. Mm. So these Anglo-Saxon people that created the English language, they made it with, like, power, clues and stuff like that. So you look at the word... We've talked about alone, all one. Nobody, no body, no body, Mm. nothing. Nothing. You want to become nothing, no thing, no thing, no body. When the ego starts to dissolve, you know, it's a process. It won't happen in a week. It will happen over uh, a significant amount of time and you'll feel it. Um, it's similar to depression in a sense that you know you you start to lose your ambition, and you know you may cry a lot, and you know catharsis things are coming up, things are re- being removed like a detox process, as we've talked in other podcast episodes. And but it's not depression; it's your ego. Your ego is trying to survive. So you you end up in almost a war. Your natural self or your soul or whatever you want to call it, your inner self is now in a battle with this ego that has been alive for all these decades. And now it's suffocating and it's trying to survive. And you're going to go through this inner war and it's going to affect your outer life a little bit. Now, for some people, that may be a few months. Some people, it might be a few years. It's a process. And then eventually, you 
you know, if you're following the inner peace practice, uh, you'll finally reach that inner peace. That state of where nothing's going to rattle you. Someone could insult you and it won't matter. Uh, it won't matter if you're rich or poor. It won't matter if you <laughs> succeed in your fantasy goals of becoming a doctor or your fantasy goal of, uh, you know, being the mom of the year. Like it won't, you won't feel disappointment anymore. There will be no anxiety. There will be nothing else because you'll know you'll be you know, completely surrendered to inner peace. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a bum laying on the couch all day. You know, you can still work. You can still be a mom or a dad. You can still be married. You can, uh, or you can go to an ashram or a monastery. I mean, it's going to, you know, it's your choice. But, to reach that inner peace is, you know, there, there's an immense value on it. I started noticing indications of this um, transition many years ago when my bike got stolen. I bought a bike. I just thought it would be good exercise, and I wanted to ride a bike again like a kid. I bought a bike at Walmart or Target, like 300 bucks. I had a ball for like a month. And then one day it just wasn't there anymore. Mm. It's just gone. Somebody stole it. Somebody stole your bike. And I didn't care. Now I remember emailing the mystic from the ashram. It's like, you wouldn't believe this. Somebody stole my bike and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's good. Congratulations. You know, <laughs> it's like a, it's a, not a complete. Mm-hmm transcendence but it's it's like these little moments of victory but but then it's ego that you're celebrating it mm -hmm. so i get it yeah i'll leave you with a story it's about this guy you may have heard named alexander the great you ever heard of him of course i've heard of him <laughs> is it safe to say he's probably maybe top 10 most famous people in the history of the world probably Everybody knows that name? Yeah. I know the name. You know the name? Mm -hmm. Alexander the Great was um, a prodigy who became a general mm -hmm. of Greece and eventually took his father's place as king. Mm -hmm. He was a very young king. He became king like in his early 20s. Mm -hmm. and he was already an accomplished general. People respected him. And he had a fascination with conquering. And he went to other nations, and he would conquer with his army. And that's how he got his nickname. People started, you know, there was no internet back then. It was just word of mouth, and people started, oh, Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great. And he accomplished quite a lot. But he was always unfulfilled in some sort of way. And he was always astonished by a lot of the philosophers. Of course, Socrates came before him, but very well known mm. you know Aristotle guys like this Plato but there was this one guy named Diogenes Diogenes was reported to be an enlightened mystic 
And Alexander the Great, at around 32 years old, kept telling his team, I want to meet this Diogenes guy. I want to meet this guy. And they're like, oh, sir, I don't think it's a good idea because Alexander felt unfulfilled. And he would hear these stories about Diogenes. He didn't have a home. He wandered. He had his begging bowl, as most a lot of people did back then. He ended up giving his begging bowl to a dog because he saw the dog drinking out of the river one day, and he said, if he doesn't need a bowl, I don't need a bowl. <laughs> he goes, here, dog, you can have my bowl. <laughs> and Diogenes would lay around. A lot of times he would just be naked, just laying there at the beach, laying wherever. And people would come to him for advice or whatever. And Alexander the Great was fascinated that this man had no ambition and he was happy and he was rooted. You, you couldn't make him angry. He was fascinated with this. So he finally got his wish. He finally got to the city where Diogenes was and Alexander had just come back after conquering. He had one more place to conquer but he wanted to see Diogenes before. And he found him on a beach. And he walks out to him. He's in full gear, you know, sword, armor. And Diogenes is laying there naked on the beach. And Alexander's a little taken back. Like, oh, I'm sad to this guy. He says, Diogenes, I am Alexander the Great. Diogenes looks up. He says, what a stupid name. This is what I'm talking about with the honesty. Yeah. He's like, why do you call yourself great? What's so great about you? You must have an inferiority complex. Mm. And Alexander could have killed him right there, right? It's not like he'd go to jail. He was the law. And he goes, okay, I accept that. Diogenes, you're a, you're a great you know, mystic master, whatever he called him. He says, I have lots of power. What would you like? Please, make a wish. I'll give you whatever you want. You want a home? Do you, do you, do you want a woman? What do you want? Diogenes looks back up at him and he goes, I want you to get out of my way. You're blocking the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander the Great, he's just taken back. This is twice he's insulted him, mm -hmm. but in a truthful way. He goes, you know what, Diogenes? Now keep in mind, everybody believed in reincarnation. So it's important to understand. So Alexander the Great says, when I come back, I want to come back like you. I don't want to come back like me. That was his way of venting, I guess. And Diogenes says, why not do it now? He challenges him. Mm -hmm. Stop your army. Stop conquering. You come with me. I teach you. We'll go from beach to beach. You don't even have to beg. I'll get the food for you and bring it to you. And I'll mm. teach you how to live this lifestyle and become truly great. Mm. Alexander says, well, that sounds like a great opportunity. I'll consider it after I conquer this last region. Mm. I have to go get this last region. And Diogenes is just like, you don't, you're not understanding. Okay. Mm. It's like it, there's power in now. Not in later. Yeah. So he leaves. Alexander the Great leaves. And he goes to conquer this last region. Mm -hmm. And guess what? He does. He conquers it. And on the way home, 
he comes down with what historians think is malaria. And there he is, on his deathbed, far from home. The great Alexander the Great, 33 years old, he's telling his physicians, just get me home. I just want to see my mom. It's like, I, I know I'm dying, but I just want to see my mom. I want to have a conversation, and then I'll, I'll die. And the physicians are like, you don't understand, sir. You have days, not weeks. Hmm. You're, you're going to die in days. So he accepts his death. And, of course, you'd have to assume that he thinks about this diagenesis opportunity. Mm-hmm. If and, only he would have. Right. And then he gives his last wish to his people. He says, at my funeral, I want you to make sure that both my hands are hanging out of the casket because I want everybody to know that Alexander the Great is dying with nothing in his hands. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And of course, you got to imagine it was a really big funeral, really big to do. And here's this guy, this conqueror, with his hands hanging out to symbolize mm-hmm. that all that ambition Nothing. Dead at 33 years old. Can't even say goodbye to his mom. Mm -hmm. Doesn't die enlightened or with inner peace. Mm -hmm. He dies with all this torment. And that's it. And guess what happens over the next few years? All the places he conquered get unconquered. (laughs) They all go back. India India takes over India again. You Uh know, Egypt takes over Egypt again. Although they still have Alexandria in Egypt. Mm -hmm. But it's a really significant story. And my favorite story that represents this whole ego thing. You can go, 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 go. Ambition, ambition, ambition. Achieve, 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 achieve. You're going to die with nothing in your hands. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because you can't take that stuff with you. You can't take it with you and you're not born with it. Mm Mm-mm. We're all gonna die empty-handed, just like we were born. A lot of people do that though, so that they can pass it on to their kids and stuff like that, like leave a legacy behind. Even then, like I was at the library, and I noticed that outside there was a little plaque, and the little garden was dedicated to someone, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at it, and I'm like. Nobody knows who this person is. Right. Nobody knows who this person is. And even that person's family is like three, four generations down. Mm-hmm. And maybe they show up and look at it and say, that was your great, great, great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't pass anything down. Mm-mm. People forget you. You have to achieve such a big name status like Alexander the Great, Michael Jackson, um, Elvis Presley, you know, Martin Luther King. Those those are brand names Mm -hmm. that will go on for decades and decades and decades, but that doesn't mean that people know about them. Mm -hmm. It's just like I mentioned Alexander the Great. You both said you remember the name, but you don't necessarily know the story. Mm -hmm. You don't know that he died at 33. See? So, 
that just shows you. And if he was sitting here right now, he'd probably say, see, (laughs) all that conquering, all that achievement, you know my name, but you don't know what I did. Mm -hmm. And what's more important to know the person's name or to know what they did and what their impact was, Mm. right? So it's a significant story. So let's not become Alexander the Great. He had his opportunity. He didn't take it. And he died with nothing in his hands. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.